Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. So say the words heaven or last judgment or pearly gates. And the image that probably comes to your mind is that of a big line of people up in the clouds all having to speak to St. Peter who sits at a desk with a great big book in front of him and he's sitting in front of those iron gates. And after reviewing your list of behaviors that you've accomplished during your life, Peter either gives you the thumbs up or the thumbs down and that's the way it is. That's probably the image that comes to the mind of most people. But I cannot for the life of me figure out how that image caught on. It's not an image from Scripture in any way, shape, or form. Nowhere does the Bible say that St. Peter will be guarding the gates in heaven. The book of Revelation describes heaven as a place with 12 gates, but they're always open. But I digress. There is one place, however, where the Bible does talk about this final judgment, so to speak. And it is our gospel reading today. Jesus is talking about how that final judgment, that audit of our souls, will unfold. On that day, at the end of earthly time, it will not be Peter, but Jesus himself. And all the nations, all the nations will be gathered before him. And Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. That is to say, the righteous or the blessed from the damned. And how will Jesus do that separating? Well, it might surprise you to learn that such separation will be rooted in things like food and drink and hospitality. Prison visits and and, uh, work against hunger and nakedness. Specifically, when such things were given or withheld from Jesus himself. And the method of judgment will surprise everyone. Listen to these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Jesus said to them, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, From the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You are accursed, 
depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and did not take care of you? Jesus tells his disciples this is the question that those in the future will ask him as they stand before him in judgment. When were, when were you hungry and we gave you something to eat? Or when were you sick or in trouble? We didn't see you. Whatever you did to the least of these, you did also to me. When you were hungry or in need and we didn't take care of you, when was that? They will also ask. And his response will surely include times that we as individuals and as congregations failed to provide for the least, the last, and the lost among us. The very first thing we need to realize and recognize and notice about this story is how it reveals what is most important to God. This story reveals so much about God's character. God is deeply concerned, most of all, about matters of hunger and thirst. About welcoming those who come to us with graciousness. About showing compassion to the sick, the poor, the imprisoned. I'm not a big fan of being judged by this. I don't really like the idea of being judged by those standards. Judge me on my church attendance, Lord. On how often I stole, at least consciously. Judge me on how much I gave to the church. But when Jesus writes the questions for the final exam, apparently those things didn't make the list. Not that they aren't important, they are. But what is deeply important to God is those who are down and out. Those who are in need. And he'll even go so far as to say to ignore those who are hungry, thirsty, and lost is to ignore him. Ouch. But notice something here with me from this story from God's word. This story that Jesus tells about sheep and goats, about feeding or neglecting, seems to be only a tale of warning and accountability at the end of time. And I suppose in part it is, frightening as it is to think about it that way. And insofar as it is such a tale, it reminds me again of how much we depend on the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. We've all neglected others in their time of need. We've all passed up chances to help our neighbors near and far. And if we are to be accepted by God, it will have to be by grace. 
But there really is good news in this word from Jesus today. It's more than a tale of accountability and a call to good deeds. It's a reminder that if we're looking for God, and most of us have sought God at one time or another, you need look no further than those in need among you. If you want to experience God, you don't need to take trips to faraway places. You don't need to climb high mountains or escape to quiet, secluded places. You can find God right here among those you meet in daily life. And if you want to serve God, all you need to do is serve your neighbors. Your employer, your, the people your employer serves, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your fellow churchgoers, all have needs. Pandemic challenges abound, and we know it, but we can still serve the needs of our neighbors. And in serving them, you are serving your Lord. Not just serving your Lord, but encountering him. Right? The disciples Jesus was speaking to were about to witness the death and departure of Jesus. Jesus was about to be gone from their sight. But with these words, whatever you do to the least of these, you do also to me. Jesus was promising that he would still be among them in real, touchable ways in the people that they would meet and serve. That's good news. Our Lord is near. And when we do our jobs diligently, when we assist those in need, when we love and obey our parents, take care of our children, when we are friendly to our neighbors and generous with our time and hospitality to strangers and to fellow worshipers, we are serving our Lord as well. Of course, we can't quite escape that accountability piece, can we? It does make a difference, I think, in the way we treat others. If we pause to remember that Jesus, in fact, hides among those in need in this world. Sometimes, even among people you wouldn't necessarily like to keep company with. That agitated customer, that abused child, that frightened woman, that hungry family, that bizarre relative, that nosy neighbor, might just be your Lord in hiding. Among what seem to be the most God-forsaken people, we might be surprised to learn that our Lord is there. Let us act accordingly. Because it's the right thing to do, of course, but also because it's a statement of faith that our Lord is near and can be served through simple acts of kindness, generosity, and hospitality. We're just a few short days from Thanksgiving. We won't be gathering in our sanctuary this Wednesday night, as we usually do, and and how sad I am about that. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the entire year. And beginning that weekend with with beautiful music, the, the sharing of our litany of Thanksgiving, hearing a message of gratitude and reflection from a, a member of the congregation, gathering an offering of food, the blessing of quilts and other gifts to Lutheran World Relief, not to mention our choir and the, the praises we offer to our generous God. What, what better way could there be to start this this beautiful weekend. And what better way to experience the presence of Almighty God? 
And Audrey and I look forward all year to the chance to be hosts for the weekend. Her brothers and and sister and, and their families all stay in our home for the whole weekend. And I get to pretend that I'm some world famous chef who makes one gourmet meal after another. Not just the Thanksgiving feast, but all the other meals that weekend too. I mean, heck, we even get out the left's supplies and make a few batches. Is there anything better on Thanksgiving weekend than to be surrounded by family with bellies full of turkey and stuffing football on TV and fresh lefsa right off the griddle? To me, it's, it's a spiritual experience. I feel so close to God on Thanksgiving weekend. The gifts of, of food and family right there in front of me. Maybe you feel the same way. And that's why we're grieving, right? It's not going to be the same. Or maybe it is, right? Maybe you've said, screw it, orders or not, I'm not giving up my thanksgiving. Whatever happens, happens. And I can appreciate how you might be saying that. After all, what could be more godly than a house full of the people you love, sharing God's bounty, bowing our heads in prayer to give thanks to God, sharing rich fellowship, maybe even pausing to share with one another all that we're thankful to Almighty God for. But maybe, just maybe, God will be found somewhere else this weekend. Maybe, just maybe, the words that Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 25 are in fact true. And if we really want to encounter Christ this Thanksgiving, we'll find him not around full and gigantic tables, but instead in serving the least among us. Maybe Christ will be found among the overwhelmed healthcare workers in our community and region who are watching critical beds fill up and getting closer and closer to that moment when they'll have to decide who gets the ventilator and who goes without. Maybe if we all sacrifice a little this week, their lives will get a little easier. A little easier. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do also to me. Maybe Christ will be found among the vulnerable in our community who desperately need the healthy among us to quit spreading this virus around so darn quickly so they can at least go to the grocery store where everyone is wearing a mask, hopefully, by the way, and get the essential things they need without fear of getting sick and ending up in that hospital themselves if there's any room left for them. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do also to me. Maybe Christ will be found among the nearly one billion hungry in this world. And maybe you'll take some of the money you were going to spend on that Thanksgiving feast or Thanksgiving travel, or Black Friday shopping, and give it to the ELCA's World Hunger Appeal, or our local food shelf, or sponsor a tag or two from our giving tree. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do also for me. 
Maybe instead of seeking the joy and the presence of the Lord in large family gatherings around a giant Thanksgiving dinner table, you'll leave those extra leaves in the closet this year and find God's presence in a phone call or a Zoom call with your family instead. Maybe Christ will show up in the midst of eating yet another frozen pizza with the people of your immediate household on Saturday night. Maybe Christ will show up while you're watching reruns of the Gilmore Girls on Netflix. You know, it wouldn't be the most surprising place where God ever showed up. The very presence of God was found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Agonizing and dying in what seemed to be the most God-forsaken moment of all time, God's presence was never more clearly revealed. Surely God will be found in this time of sacrifice in serving our neighbors. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we seek your presence in our lives. May we find it now in serving our neighbors and the least among us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.